So what we see is a desperate woman whose husband has died and they owe a debt they cannot pay. And so the creditor is coming to take her sons to be servants to pay that debt. And the prophet of the Lord looks at her and says, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? He said, it's time for some personal inventory. What do you have in your house? And she said, the only thing I have is a pot of oil. That's it. So he said, go and borrow the vessels of all of your neighbors, even empty vessels. And what's this line say right here? This is, a, this is a word of faith. It's the prophet trying to convince her that what God wants to do in your life is bigger than what you can handle right now. You're going to have to expand your ability to receive the blessing and the favor of God that he wants to rest on you. So don't borrow a few. Go get all that you can get. And when thou have come in, you shall shut the door upon you and your sons and shall pour out into all those vessels. And thou shalt set aside that which is full. So she went from him, shut the door upon her and her sons who brought the vessels to her and she poured out. And it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said unto her son, Bring me yet a vessel. Here it comes. Bring me a vessel. He said, Mom, there's none left. The outpour of the miracle directly corresponds with the ability to receive anymore. I cannot receive anymore is what she was essentially saying, go get me another. I don't have any more. Then we can't receive any more. So she came, told the man of God, he said, go sell the oil, pay your debt, and live down thy children on the rest. I understand the principle behind this miracle is that she needed enough to pay the debt, but understand that was what she asked the Lord for. The miracle ran out when her ability to receive ceased. And so for the next few moments today, I want to talk to you about expanding your capacity. Expanding your capacity. I feel like God has been dealing with me this week to talk to this church about where we're at right now. I may not spit to the fifth row today, but I have a word for this church and I have a word for your life. I want you to help me right now. I know we do this sometimes as kind of a formality, but I'm sincere when I ask you. I want you to pray with pastor this morning because I believe that God is trying to expand our inheritance, expand our borders. But some of us have been asking God for things that we can't even receive today. And I want you to ask God for wisdom, direction, and knowledge through the word. Would you do that right now, Father? We call on you, and we need you desperately. Lord, I believe that you have spoken to me this week in prayer. I believe that you have talked to my heart, and I believe that you have revealed to me where we are as a body. 
I want God for there to be attentive ears, good soil that's ready to receive the good seed of the Word of God. You delight in us today, God, and we in you. And I pray today that your Word would come alive in us. For it's in you that we live and move and have our being. And we need you today to give us divine revelation. And we're going to thank you for it in the mighty name of Jesus. And let the church say amen. God bless you. You can be seated. I was on my way to hospital visitation this week in Indianapolis. And I've been seeking the Lord, obviously, for this church and where we're at. But it's not always that you seek the Lord and you feel so close. In these last two weeks, I have felt such a closeness to the Lord that when I speak, it's like if there's, just a, there's just a response. And I wake up in the morning and I feel the drawing of the Holy Ghost to be with Him. If you feel that, don't reject it. If God's drawn you, I don't care if it's 2 o'clock in the morning. If you wake up and feel that drawing, you better find somewhere and get shut in with God. Because the Lord is calling this body. Now, I'm not, I can't speak for anybody else today. But this body and your life. Because the Lord knew that you would be here. But God is calling us to a different measure of being able to receive from Him than we ever have before. I, I don't want this to sound discouraging at all, but I told someone uh, Wednesday night, it may have been Brother Miller, I can't remember. I told someone on Wednesday night after service, I said, I'm rejoicing in what the Lord is doing, but we've been here before. We've been here before. Where we are right now in this sovereign, powerful, manifested move of God, we have been here before. And I feel like it's so much easier for us to revisit places that we've been because we know what God can do right here. It's a biblical principle when the children of Israel get frustrated with God in the wilderness and they begin to ask the question, does the Lord just want us to die out here? Moses, did you bring us out here to die? Their response to the man of God was, let's go back to Egypt. Now think about this. God brought them through the Red Sea when he brought them out of Egypt. What a powerful miracle. What a powerful display of the hand of God. And for them to go back into Egypt, God would have had to part the Red Sea for them to walk back across and go back to Egypt. They had more faith to believe that God could part the Red Sea the second time than to believe that God would bring them through and provide for them where they were. Why? Because miracles of the past are always easier to believe for than for something new and fresh in God. Some of you in this house today are afraid to expand your ability to receive and your capacity to receive because you know how much it costs you at this stage right now. God has been drawing you to a deeper measure of relationship and you know how much it costs you right now because you've been here 
before, but the Lord is saying, I want you to come deeper. There's a place in me. Some of you have attended other churches in your life and you've had a relationship with God, but God has brought you to this church for right now in this season of your life because God is calling you to a deeper place of relationship with him. You have had other ideas of doctrine but never been baptized in Jesus' name. And the reason now that you're feeling that hunger to be baptized in Jesus' name is because God is drawing you to a deeper measure. But God cannot bless you in a deeper measure of revelation until you expand your capacity to receive. I was reading this week, and I can't think of the author off the top of my head. Um, If I happen to think of it, I'll mention his name. But the author said, he's in in ministry, he's in pastoral ministry, and he said, um, there was a lady in, in the church where he was ministering, working, and she claimed that her husband was saved. She always talked about her husband, but he was never with her when, he came, when she came to church. She said, my husband's saved. You know that, do, are you married? Yes, I'm married. Was your husband in church? Yes, my husband's in church. He's saved, blah, blah, blah. This old rhetoric, you know. So finally, he, he, got, he got up some guts one day, and he walked up to her, and he said, Sister, I hear you talking about your husband all the time, but you've been coming to this church for quite some time now, and I never see your husband. You, you said he's saved, right? She said, oh, absolutely. My husband is saved. She said, well, then why doesn't he come to church? And she said, oh, because, Pastor, he's waiting on the Lord to open up a door for him to pastor a church. Come on, somebody. I'm going to stay home so that God will open up a door of ministry for me. Somebody shout this to me right now. To whom much is given, much is required. What was the kingdom principle that Jesus taught? If you'll be faithful over few things, I'll make you ruler over many. But you cannot be ruling over many things if you're not faithful to a few things. I want God to bless me. Yes. I want God to bless me. I want God to work in my life. I want God to do great things in my life. But at some point in time, you have to realize your reservoir is full unless you let God work on you and expand your ability to receive. I was driving down the road, as I began to tell you earlier, on my way to Indianapolis, and the Lord spoke one word to me. And that word was capacity. He said, son, I need you to work on your capacity. So I did what any brilliant theologian in the world would do, and I went to a dictionary. I want to know what capacity is. Okay, can I give you Webster's idea? Capacity. The maximum amount. That something can contain. The maximum amount that something can contain. Think about it. 
In Isaiah chapter 54, verse number one, there is a prophetic word that comes forth that helps us understand what expanding capacity is all about. The opening of this chapter almost hurts my brain. Sing, O barren. Thou that didst not bear, break forth in singing. I want you to sing a song and celebrate what has not happened in your life. Think about that, church. I want you to bless the Lord for what he has not done in your life. Sing, Baron. Sing a song to the Lord. Cry aloud. Thou that did, did not travail with child. This is so awkward. Because like when I get up here and preach, I want to say, hey, somebody stand up and give the Lord a shout of praise for what he's done. And so your mind starts saying, oh, he's been good to me. Yeah, he gave me a car. He gave me this. He, and you start thinking of all the things that he's blessed you with and he's filled the capacity of your life. And the prophet Isaiah says, sing because he's done nothing. What? The Lord is saying to his people, I need you to expand my ability to bless you. When you begin to bless me, not just for what I've done. But you can get in perspective things that I have not even done for you yet. And there is a song in you. I'm, I'm trying, Brother Jordan. You, you guys were picking on me yesterday. I'm trying to stay in my skin. I'm trying, I'm trying to stay in my skin. When you get to the place that your, all of your praise is not just predicated on where you've been. But the ability to see above the horizon to where you're going. Sing, Baron. Sing, you child that has never had children. Sing, daughter. Sing unto the Lord. Get a praise in your spirit. Not for where you've been, but for where you're going. Expand. You know, Pastor, uh, I don't really think that chapter has anything to do with that. Okay, then let's go to chapter 2. Or verse 2, I mean. You ready? Go ahead. What? The first word is enlarge. Expand. Your tent. Your dwelling place. Your capacity. Enlarge your capacity and let them stretch forth the curtains of thy habitation. And here it comes. 
Don't you just spread it out a little bit. Don't you be, don't, don't you be stingy with your asking. I want you to get those tent stakes and I want you to, exp- I want you to walk out there a little ways. If you're going to believe God for children, then you better make room for children. Get a pull on that stake. Pull it out there a little bit. Expand your territory. If you want God to expand you, then make room for it. This is how this ties in. Go get vessels. Not a few. I'm talking about some vessels. Go, go get them. Woo. Come on, let's go get vessels. They say the rule of thumb is in a church building, when you're at 80% full, you got to start thinking about building. That sounds foolish to somebody that's already been through building programs and doesn't want to build again. I know it's Labor Day weekend, so this is kind of a, 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 it's kind of hard to judge. There's a lot of folks gone today. Last Sunday morning, when I walked into this sanctuary, you can call me crazy. I felt the Lord saying, you at 80% yet? Lord, let, 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 let me talk to you a little bit about this 80% here because... We got to pay this off. And I felt the Lord smite me and say, go ahead and limit me, son. Don't you ever forget, boy, that I created the heavens and the earth and everything that dwells in it. You let me worry about how I'm going to take care of my business and you start expanding your thinking to the way that God wants to bless you. Somebody say, stretch me, Jesus. Stretch me, Jesus. Stretch me, Jesus. Stretch me, Jesus. Oh, my, my, my. I appreciate your reception to the word this morning. It feels good in the house. Enlarge the place of thy tent. Let them stretch forth the curtains of thine habitation. Spare not. Lengthen thy cord and strengthen thy stakes. He said, don't you dare lengthen the cord without strengthening the stake. Because what's happening underground is absolutely as important as what you see on top of the ground. If you believe that, shout amen. Amen. For thou shalt break forth on the right hand and on the left hand, and thy seed shall inherit the Gentiles and make the desolate cities be inhabited. I'm going to take you on a little journey right here. I want to take you to a prayer room. I want to take you to a prayer room where a well-meaning soul Stands or kneels at their place of prayer and says, fill us, God. Fill us, Lord. Fill us, Lord. Fill us, Lord. Oh, God. Fill us up, Lord. <laughs> Y'all ever heard this? Fill me up, God. Oh, Jesus. Fill us, Lord. Fill us up, God. Fill us. Fill us up, God. Fill us up, God. You know why people have to keep begging? Because we're full and didn't know it. We have to keep praying the same prayers of being filled because we're full. Brother Jerry Dean 
kind of rocked my world. We were together at a conference. And he looked at me and he said, you know what our deal is? He said, we preach to full people every week. Think about that. Nah, he didn't say they're full of the Holy Ghost. He just said they're full. We are so full when we come into the house of the Lord. But the reason that we continue to ask him to fill us is because the things that we're filled with, they take up volume in our capacity, but they do not fulfill us. Please don't miss that. That's a very key element to what I'm teaching you today. It may rob your capacity, but it does not fulfill you. Full. I am full. The problem with most Christians and most churches is that when we stand in our prayer corner and say, fill me God... We are frustrating the purpose of the Lord because what we're asking God to do, He wants to do, but He cannot do. Somebody said, God can do anything but fail. And I understand that context, but He also cannot force your hand. He will not force your hand. He does not do that. God does not cram Himself down your throat and just say, you're going to do it my way and I'm going to fill you up. The Lord said that your, your generations, they're going to the Gentiles. He said, I'm going to let your inhabitants fill up places that are empty. That's the promise of the Lord. Somebody say the promise. But he said, I need you to expand your borders. The miracle of the Lord, folks, I believe in the prophet and the ministry of Elisha. But Elisha does not know how to break down the molecular structure of oil and all of those molecules and put all that together and fix all of that, everything that she needs, and make that multiply. He did not have the ability to do that. The miracle was on the Lord. The capacity was on the woman. So stay with me. While we're trying to do God's job, And force miracles. God is saying I can't do anything with this oil. Because the vessel you have is filled. I need you to get me something empty. That I can work in. Give me something empty. That I can make my praise glorious in your life. Give me something that I can do. That I can fill it up. Some time ago, I got a call from uh, an aircraft brokerage company. And they wanted me to meet with another pilot and deliver an aircraft down to uh, South Alabama. There was a gentleman down there trading an airplane in. And we were swapping airplanes, short, short story version. They wanted us to deliver this guy's airplane and bring the other one back. And in the process of doing that, the second pilot that went with me was to pick up an aircraft that was, uh, that was coming up for sale. This brokerage company was going to sell it 
And the gentleman that owned the airplane had just, uh, it, was a, it was a famous story. Uh, he had tried to circumnavigate the globe, and he took off in stormy conditions for some reason down, uh, it was somewhere down in the South Pacific somewhere. And they were talking about how terrible the weather was when he took off out of there, but he was in a hurry to get around. And we were picking up his other aircraft. He and, unfortunately, he and his son perished in the water that night. They never did find their aircraft. But we were picking up his other aircraft because his family was selling it out of his estate. And he had their, uh, all of the seats and the interior that were in the aircraft that he crashed and died in. Now, this is not a sad story. And so they said, look, take all the seats from the Bonanza and put them in the Baron, and we'll use them. That They're included in the sale. And I said, well, why do we have all the seats for the Bonanza at the airport? And they said, well, he had to take all of the interior out in order to put a large tank in the aircraft that would hold enough fuel for him to be able to travel the distance that he needed to travel. Everything that was inside that aircraft had to be stripped out and emptied out in order for there to be an expansion in the capacity of the go juice. I need the capacity of this aircraft opened up so that we can put something in it that's more valuable to his journey than a seat. Oh, I just preached right there. You are more valuable in the kingdom of God than just filling up a seat. But you have got to let the Holy Ghost do a work in you and say, okay, God, clean me out. Empty me out. I need, I need you, Lord, to help me understand that I need more room for the blessing and the favor of God. And whatever I've got to empty out to make more room than so be it. But I need to expand my capacity. Now I'm going to draw a picture for you. And maybe it'll forever change John 3 and 30 for you. He must increase. I must. Boy, y'all are good preachers. He must. I must. Oh, my. You can never increase God for him. And he can never decrease you for you. You can be seated. You can never make God more powerful than he is. But he can never become as powerful as he should be until you learn to decrease. The way of expansion in the kingdom is not increase. It is decrease. I need to decrease 
in order to expand, I have to increase my capacity by decreasing in my nature. When I say to expand, you immediately begin to think, well, what can I do to get bigger? What can I do to get better? What can I do? What can I do? What can I do? The thing that we can do is decrease to make more room for the Spirit of God to work in us. Have you ever been to a circus and seen the act of how many clowns you can get in the VW bug? Anybody ever seen that? I remember being a kid and Papa Bingham would take us every year to Barnum and Bailey Circus when he'd come to Market Square Arena. For those of you that don't know, that was the cool place back in the day. I even saw Carmen there once. <laughs> we all got radically saved. And I remember sitting there as a child, and they pulled up this yellow Volkswagen bug. Like, I watched them drive it in. There were no cables, there was nothing on it. They drove it in, you could hear it. You could hear it. You hear them points ticking. And they pull it up and they shut it off and they open up the door. And one clown after another starts pouring out. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh my word, how many clowns can you fit in a Volkswagen bug? Now, folks. I want to teach to you something really, really practical right here, okay? Everybody with me? Don't, don't run off and leave me right here. Everybody with me? Say amen or oh me. Amen. Somebody give me a good old Baptist nod or something. Let me know you're still breathing. The clowns in the bug trick is a neat trick. It is not a practical mode of transportation. It does not have sustainability. It will not last. So at some point, you got to decide, do I need less clowns or do I need more car? See, man, I'm trying to preach and y'all are missing me right here. Do I just need to quit pursuing God? Because I feel this longing that I just, I'm never satisfied. So do I just quit pursuing God? Or do I expand my capacity? Mm. And so we go back and we fight the same old battle that we fight every time. And we get stuck in the same old rut because we're not expanding our capacity. If I keep reliving the hurt of my childhood, I know how bad that hurts. I've already been through what I've already been through. I've already been through that relationship, so I know how bad that one hurts. And if I don't open up my capacity to love anymore outside of this right here, then I'll never have to hurt worse than I've already hurt. I'm not trying to be insensitive. The Holy Ghost is trying to minister to somebody in here. You've let the enemy keep you stuck in the same old cycle. And every time you claim your healing... What you're really claiming is temporary relief. 
I let God in my heart long enough to touch that wounded, broken place in my heart and apply some salve to it. But when I come back to prayer again and he calls me to more love and more compassion and to go to a deeper place than I've ever been before, I realize then I'm not ready to go there because I'd have to turn this loose to expand my capacity. And so I fill my capacity up with the bitterness, the hate, the strife, the brokenness. I want to tell you something, church family. Please don't leave me right here. I'm trying to get to you. If that's what I'm full of, at some point that has to come out of me. And it usually comes out of me. When somebody is trying to love me deeper than I've ever been loved. And I hold people accountable that are trying to love me for the hurts of people in my past. And I won't let there be healing in my life. Because I already know how bad this hurts. See, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't do backflips and you get what I'm preaching to you right now. The Holy Ghost is trying to do a work in this church. So let me teach to you from a church-wide perspective and see if you can't put this in your own life. Listen, part of what we do is people come and go from the church, okay? I don't, I don't want that to sound insensitive. I've been pastoring in this church come January for 20 years. I see people in this town right now that should still be in this church. But they backslid. They left God. I saw some the other day at an at a establishment. They were in a drive-thru behind me. It was a vehicle with backsliders in it. And they were right behind me. So I asked the person at the window, I said, how much is their bill? They told me. I said, good, put it on mine. Yeah. Why, why would you do that, Pastor? I'm not doing it so I can tell you. I want to tell you why. Because if you focus on everything that you've lost and you let that become bitterness in your heart, you'll never expand your capacity for God to grow you. Why don't you get, why don't you get mad at them, Pastor? They should be here under the shoulder and the load of the kingdom of God. Because I'm not going to stand before God for them. I'm going to stand before God for me. And if they choose whatever they're going to choose and they don't choose God, the good news is that's one bill I don't have to pay. Oh, boy. God is trying to get us as a body to quit living in what has been lost and to expand our territory. Listen. I've got, I don't want this to sound ugly, but I've got better things to do than sit around and chew up people in conversation that have hurt me and left me. Those people did you wrong, preacher. That's okay. Those people did our church wrong. But you know what? If I close the door and lock the door when they need mercy, they won't be able to get back into it.
I believe in mercy. How many of you have ever heard uh, when we get up to take an offering, you'll hear somebody say, Give and it shall be given unto you in good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. You heard it, right? Oh, church, you got to give. You got to give. You got to give. Go read that for yourself and see. Now, it's a principle. Don't get me wrong. It does work financially. But the context of that chapter is not monetary. It's mercy. Think about that. Give mercy. How do you say it? Give. One word, give. And it shall be given. Give. Give. Don't think about it. Give. Don't go talk to him and say, I'm going to do this, but I want you to know. No. You can't expand your capacity. Listen, if you put prerequisites on every time you give mercy, that is not mercy. Mm. I, <laughs> I'm going to forgive you. But if you ever do this to me again, you hadn't forgiven nobody. No, 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 no. That right there is junior high sweetheart stuff. You ever break up with me again, I'll never go out with you again. And then the next Monday, you got it. Do you still like me? Check yes or no. So listen, here's what we're doing. We're saying, God, I forgive them, Lord. I've done it. Man, I've done it. Oh, oh God, I forgive them. He's like, then why are you forgiving with such sorrow in your heart? You do not know that you've been delivered from that because you can say, I forgive. The revelation that God gave me, and you've heard me preach this before. He said, I will truly know that your heart is full of mercy and that you have forgiven when you stop telling me that you've forgiven them and you can start blessing them. You want to expand your capacity for mercy? Then quit telling God with reluctance that you forgive them. And let that person live. I don't remember the last time it was this quiet in this church. The Holy Ghost is speaking in here right now. That's a sign of maturity in a church right there in the body of Christ. That I don't, I don't have to have somebody on the keyboard to get me excited right now. You know what? Pastor could have preached this concept to you. Jumped around. Got all sweaty, and you know I'm not against that. Dear God, I'll see you at 6 o'clock. But I need to get this in your spirit. God is trying to expand this church, but this building is not the church. You are. I am. If God is going to expand us, he's got to expand you, and he's got to expand me. He's trying to bless us, but our capacity is full. Mm. I'm coming to a close. Somebody said, that's the best preaching you've done all day, Pastor. Jabez. 
said, oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed. Enlarge. Boy, I feel something special trying to move in here right now. Enlarge my coast. That thine hand might be with me. And that thou wouldest keep me from evil. That it may not grieve me. What's the last line of this? So God granted what he requested. He had to pray the prayer of expansion for God to be able to grant it. While it's a good thing to ask the Lord to bless, man, I feel the Holy Ghost special right now. While it's a good thing for me to ask the Lord to bless me, the best thing that I could do is reevaluate uh, re my life and ask God not to just bless me, but to evaluate myself and find out, am I doing what God can bless? Oh, I feel his presence here. God, I'm not asking you to bless this church. I'm sorry, but your pastor hasn't been praying for this church to be blessed. You can hate me if you want to. I'm sorry. I've not been praying anymore that God would bless our church. I've been praying that God would get this church in alignment with what he's already blessing. That we could move forward. And so with this, I hurry to a close. And I feel like the Holy Ghost is going to minister on a deep, deep measure in here right now. I feel it all over this platform. I feel like I'm treading in water right now. I just, I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost in a very rich measure. Solomon has gone through a big ordeal. His father is stored up for the temple. And it rests on Solomon's shoulders to finish. The day that the dedicatory prayer is prayed in 1 Kings chapter 8. There's a unique thing that happens, and I've got to slow this down or you're not going to get it because I don't want to just preach through this. But Solomon stands up in 1 Kings chapter 8, and he prays a dedicatory prayer over the temple. And he says, God, you will be God. You will be exalted. All the world will see. This is, this is not KJV. I'm just telling you, he just stands up and prays. You are the only God. Your name will be exalted here. We wanted to build you a house, and we did. When you scroll down in the chapter, at the dedication, the people were bringing their sacrifice to the Lord. Verse 62, and the king, which is Solomon, and all Israel with him offered sacrifice before the Lord. Follow this church family. Solomon offered a sacrifice of peace offering, which he offered unto the Lord. Let's go through this together. Two and twenty thousand oxen. A hundred and twenty thousand sheep. So the king and all the children of Israel dedicated a house to the Lord. 64. The same day did the king hollow out. That word translated is consecrated. 
He hallowed the middle of the court that was before the house of the Lord. For there he offered burnt offerings and meat offerings and the fat of the peace offerings because the brazen altar, Moses' old altar, the brazen altar that was before the Lord was too little to receive the burnt offering. Earlier in this same book, Solomon offers a thousand sacrifices on Moses' brazen altar. So when 122,000 and 22,000 others, basically almost 150,000 sacrifice came, Solomon had to make a decision. We're either going to have to ease up on the sacrifice or we're going to have to enlarge our altar. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit of God is speaking in this room right now. The answer to the blessings of the Lord in Israel and the blessings of the Lord on the temple was not less sacrifice. It was a bigger altar. I was studying through Rashi this week, some Jewish commentary. And it was said that this altar that Solomon built, that one single stone of this altar, because it wasn't a brazen altar. This one was a stone altar that he built and he fastened it to the ground as a permanent fixture. One stone of this altar was as large as the entire offering area of the brazen altar. When you take the measurements... The place on Moses' sacrificial altar was one cubit by one cubit. The place of sacrifice on Solomon's altar was 24 cubits by 24 cubits. If you do the math and figure that out, the square surface is 576 times bigger. 576 times bigger. Expansion. Because the answer to the kingdom growth was not less sacrifice. It was the expansion of the capacity. If we want God to bless us with more, we've got to give God a place to put it. But Solomon had a revelation that God has given your pastor. And that revelation is very simply this. That the blessing on the kingdom of Israel is directly predicated to the amount of sacrifice that we present to God. The only way to expand and increase in his kingdom is to decrease. God, I'll bring you more sacrifice. But I need you to expand me. Some of you today know what it feels like to get kicked in the teeth and get back up. Get kicked in the head and get back up. Over and over. 
But God wants to give you a feeling that's all so fresh and new. That you're not visiting the same old altar anymore. But you're expanding your territory so much that God can bless you in a way that you've never been blessed before. This church and our future, your family and your future, is not determined by how good a church we have in this room. But I have asked the Lord to give me wisdom to stand before you today. I want to tell you something. This church is going to sacrifice more than we've ever sacrificed. We've had precious people working, giving to homeless. You know that. But I want you to listen closely to pastor. Whatever you do for the Lord, do it with all your might. We don't need to go get donations from Walmart and grocery stores to bless our community. If we get Walmart to donate, then Walmart gets the blessing. We're, we're, we're not a poor, broke-down church. Think about this. We're going to places and saying, hey, we're trying to bless our community. Will you give us free food? That grocery store is going to get the blessing for it. What I want to happen is those grocery stores to come seek us out. And say, I've been seeing what you've been doing in our community. We want to get in on the blessing. Am I helping anybody? I'm not going to go to the gods of this world and say, hey, will you help us bless people? God doesn't need Walmart to bless people. God needs you to bless people. Oh, my, my. It's going to happen. Don't fall asleep on me. What we need God to do is begin to expand our thinking where we wake up every day and say, okay, God, if you're going to bless me today, how much room do I need to make? I'm asking this church right now to stand to your feet. The structure that's being built, and if I had time, I'd get into this and teach this as a session. But God cannot expand this church for growth until the structure is prepared for what he's trying to do. If you want to be a part of the structure that God is laying in this church for growth, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want you right now to begin to slip your hands up into the air and say, God, I want you to expand me so that we can expand the kingdom. If you begin to feel the Holy Ghost drawing you right now, I know pastor hadn't preached hard this morning. I know I haven't kicked and screamed, but some of you are kicking, fighting, and screaming on the inside right now because you feel the Holy Ghost pulling on you. And if you feel that pull right now and you want to step out and come to this altar, the altars are open. But I'm inviting you to invite the Holy Ghost to expand your capacity today. I'm inviting you to invite the Holy Ghost to expand your capacity Whatever that means for you, whatever he has to remove out of you to make you blessable. Whatever God has to remove out of your life today to make you blessable. Are you willing to pray that prayer today? God, whatever you have to take out of me to make room for what you're doing, take it out. I want to be healed from the inside out. I want to be healed from the inside out. I cannot be a blessing until I'm healed. In the name of Jesus.